we gather on Sundays to remind ourselves this is the day that the Lord has risen. And that resurrection life just invades our life in so many different ways. Hey, here's where we're going to be today. The title of my message is When Jesus Shows Up. How many know that we want more of Jesus showing up in different areas of our life? That, that's our heart's desire. That's what we want. And I want you to see in this passage in Luke chapter 24, starting with verse 36. As they were saying these things, he himself stood in their midst. He said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. Why are you troubled? He asked them. And let me just, I'm a little troubled. So let me, should I switch to the handheld mic? Because I'm hearing a ring. And imagine that. Okay. It just maybe it's my hearing's going bad. Maybe like there's this ring thing going on in my ear. Some of us down in the front can hear that. So just be aware of that. We'll see how it goes. So back, back to the scripture. I was about to say, I'm about to go find some hearing aids, but then Nelson and Sarah said, hey, we hear it too. So thanks be to God, I think. <laughs> it's like two problems. I don't know which one it is. All right, back to the Bible. Verse 38, why are you troubled? He asked them, and why do doubts rise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. It is, that is, I myself, touch me and see because a ghost does not have flesh and bones and you can see I have. Having said this, he showed them his hands and feet. But while they still were amazed and in disbelief because of their joy, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? So they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. And he told them, these are my words that I spoke to you. I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the psalm must be fulfilled. Then he opened their mind to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, this is what is written, the Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Uh, this is the word of the Lord. So, there's something about a, an effective leader that brings peace to a situation. As we look back to the history of our country, there's a lot of examples of that. But I'm thinking this morning of uh, President Roosevelt, Franklin Roosevelt, who took the medium of the radio and he had what is now called fireside chats. And between 1933 and 1944, he would, he would go on the radio and Americans would gather around these this new technology, uh, radio transi transistors, and they would listen for comfort. And through the economic depression and World War II, um, President Roosevelt would dismiss rumors and help bring a, a kind of a sense of peace. So I don't know how many of you remember that in here. That'd be interesting. Take a poll. Is there, well, we won't ask that. I, I do remember thinking about our nation's history when I was young, uh, 1986, the Challenger exploded, and, and it, just, it just really took the breath away of the country, especially since a lot of us in elementary school at that time were, were watching the, the launch on television. And, and President Reagan came and, and just gave a, a great speech, and at the end he said, uh, we wave goodbye as they slip the surly bonds of earth to touch the face of God. 
It was just the right words at the right time. And there was just something about uh, the, the presence of a, of a strong leader at that time that just brought comfort. I think about my childhood pastor, the late J. Don George. He was one of those guys who, if he would just walk into a room, just, just, you would just kind of calm down a little bit because he had a, a, a sense of class. He had a sense of dignity. He had, had a sense of um, presence. Um, I, I was thinking about some of our sisters in Christ here, and I thought about Pastor Deborah. She's right now running Facebook Live, but Pastor Deborah has this calmness about her that when she shows up, you're kind of, kind of everyone just kind of relaxes a little bit. One of the young moms in our church, Danielle Kidd, uh, you know, she, she's raising these two boys. She's a school teacher, but when Danielle shows up somewhere, you know, things just kind of calm down. You just, you just get this sense of assurance. Uh, that that person being present helps the whole group. So now I'm talking about human beings, like, and all of those human beings have their flaws, and we're not going to talk about all of their flaws. Uh, I don't, especially I'm not going to talk about Deborah or Danielle's flaws. That wouldn't be cool at all. Not that I know of any, but, but every human being that's ever existed has flaws, and especially me. And yet, those leaders that I talk about, and you're thinking of someone right now too, you're thinking of someone I haven't met uh, that, that does bring that sense of presence. When, when they step into a room, they, they bring their personality, they bring dignity, they bring uh, maybe a communication skill, they bring expertise, they bring experience. And we appreciate that, don't we? And we're thankful for those types of people in our lives. And we're, we're aspirational that the Lord could help us to be that same type of reflection of his peace and presence. So now I'm talking about people, but let me talk to you about Jesus Christ, because I want you to think about this. Jesus Christ has all holiness. There's no error in Jesus. There's no hidden motive. There's no manipulation. There's no sense that, you know, Jesus is, is tricking us. So he brings all of his holiness and his authority and his righteousness. And then the scripture lets us know that Jesus is love. So when Jesus shows up, love itself is inserting itself into a situation. And so that's why when Jesus shows up, everything changes. And I want you to see through the passage today that Jesus is going to show up, has shown up in your life, and will show up in your life in unique settings. And when he shows up, everything is better. And so we got to keep looking for Jesus. I know a lot of times we look for the wrong things. Uh, we, we look for all types of, of prompts to help, help us cope with the situation. And sometimes like the last thing we do is pray. I mean, I feel so dumb sometimes. I like, I, I use all of my skills and then I go, uh, maybe we should pray about this. How many of that prayer should be the leading thing we do? But I don't know. The enemy wants to distract us. He wants to keep us, keep our mind off the Lord. I mean, you know this, that the presence of the Lord is always with us. Always with us. So really the question is, are we aware of his presence? Like, you know, we just say like, like right now, I'm having this conversation, you know, with my coworker, Lord, let your presence be here in this conversation. And we don't even have to stop and say it. We can even think it because his presence is already there. It indwells us. It's with us. But when we're aware of it, then all of a sudden that's when Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up when we're aware of Jesus and his presence is always with us. So here's the first thing I want to tell you. I'm going to tell you like five things today. So it's, it's more than my three points. You get 
two extra credit points today. And uh, all the high school kids go, got nervous. They're like, oh no, the sermon's going to be long today. So no, we, we, we won't do it that way. Here's the first one. He brings peace. He brings peace. So the disciples, some had seen Jesus, some had not. When we started our passage today, some had recognized him, but most had only heard it secondhand. So they're, they're, they're comparing stories. And they're, they're like saying, we... We saw Jesus and this is what happened. And that's where we pick up the passage we've already read. So let's look at verse 36 again. As they were saying these things, so as they were talking about the potential or the recognition of Jesus, some recognized him, some didn't, did not, or or didn't have the opportunity yet. As they were saying these things, he himself stood in their midst and said to them, peace to you. Jesus showed up and it was alarming for, for them. And so immediately he says, peace be with you. And, and one of the reasons I want you to keep looking for the presence of Jesus, keep being aware of the presence of Jesus, because when Jesus shows up, which for us means when we're aware of Jesus in the situation, then we don't have to wonder if he's going to show up. But when we're aware that Jesus has showed up, it brings peace to us. And so he says, peace to you. And I've been in a lot of situations recently where I've needed the peace of God. And in my life, I've been through a lot of situations. And you're dealing with something right now that you need the peace of God. In fact, I I just kind of walked through the lobby and kind of stood in the back. Just that was just my pathway here. And I encountered three or four stories of people that like, I just really need God's peace right now. They told me a story. I loved hearing that story. I loved being aware. Because like we carry life into here, guys. I mean, we do. We carry life into here. And, and I'm just so aware that, man, you're dealing with stuff internally that I don't know about, and maybe even people closest to you don't know about, but God knows about it, and he cares. And I want to speak into your life. Peace of God be with you. Those are not just nice little cute words that we say because it fits well into a service. You know, may, may grace and peace be with you. It, it's a... It's a statement over our life that when chaos is happening and and the storm is happening, that God speaks, Jesus speaks peace into the chaos. And this was a chaotic situation for the disciples. I mean, they're like, is he alive? Is he not? She saw him, but he is not sure if he saw him and we're not sure. And then Jesus, boom, he's right there. He's right there in the situation. You know, I went about a year without visiting hospitals. I only got to go see Cindy's husband, Rick, because she like, I don't know what she did. She like badgered the hospital attendant. I think they just gave in and said, sure, let the pastor go see Rick. So he's the only person I get to see in the hospital for like a year. And by the way, he's improving weekly. I had a long battle with COVID. Thank you, Jesus, for that. And so we're so happy with that miracle. So if I didn't go to the hospital for like a year, and then like this month, I've been going quite a bit uh, because I think a lot of surgeries have been pushed back. Um, one of the, one of, you know, the, the cost of the pandemic has been the lack of screening and, the, you know, all the appointments that get canceled. And so, the, you know, there's just a lot of makeup stuff happening right now. And in, in this situation, when, when, you're, when you're in a hospital room and the doctors don't quite know what the outcome will be. And some of that's not life or death, but it's quality of life for the future. I mean, that's, that's a huge, huge burden on people. 
And, and man, as we prayed, we just said, presence of God, come into this hospital room. Because he's faithful. He is faithful. The presence of the Lord is not just for the church services. Thanks, I'm thankful we felt his presence today. But the presence of the Lord is for those times when we're sick and we're confused and we don't know where the next step is. That's what the presence of God is for. The presence of God is for adoption applications. You know, when so much is on the line, I hope, I hope it gets accepted. I hope we come up with enough money. That's where the presence of God is for. And I thank God for the work that you guys are doing and Monroe Harding is doing. And thank you. Thank you for being Jesus tangibly through your organization by caring for people that Jesus cares about deeply. Jesus is there when there's a troubled child in your life. Jesus is there when financially you don't know how you're going to get to the next paycheck. Jesus is in the middle of your marriage issues. He doesn't check out when your marriage is struggling. He he doesn't abandon you. He sends his peace. And when you think everything is over, his peace can come. His peace can assure you that you're going to be okay no matter the outcome. You're going to be okay because you belong to him. Jesus is with you as your parents are aging. Jesus is with you when you make that same mistake again. Jesus is with you in the mess of your sin. And he says, peace be with you. I I want you to hear this in your soul today. The peace of God is not for you when everything is together. The peace of God is for you when everything's falling apart. That's when you need the peace of God in the middle of the chaos. And he says, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Peace, I leave you. I don't leave you peace. Jesus said these words. I don't leave you peace like the world leaves you. So don't let your heart be troubled. And guys, I know that we're not people who are unaware of the facts and we're not unaware of the challenges and we're not unaware of the options, but we are aware of something that people who don't know Christ, that they're not uh, aware of. And that is that Jesus is faithful. That Jesus cares about the needs in our lives. He will not abandon us. And we can have peace in the midst of the storm. We can have peace in the middle of the chaos. We can have peace when everyone thinks we're crazy and we should be in panic. You know, you're not a person who's going to panic. You're a person who's going to tap in to the peace of God. And when everyone around you is in panic, you know, you have an assurance that God's going to get you through. God's going to take you through the storm. God's going to get you past the challenge. That's who our Jesus is. That's why the resurrection is always alive because Jesus is showing up and bringing life to us. How does he bring his peace? He brings his peace by his presence. And here's my second point. He brings presence. He brings real tangible presence. He's not just a story. He's not just a myth. Jesus is not just a concept. Jesus is not just a coping mechanism. Jesus has a divine presence through the Holy Spirit as the Godhead works together. We have the Spirit of God dwelling within us. And the Spirit of God is with us at all times and all places because we are sons and we are daughters of God. We're not slaves. We're not people who, who are just hirelings for the Lord. We are sons. We are daughters. We have his name on us. And we have his spirit that marks us. And his spirit is a deposit of things to come. You know, everything that you've experienced about the Holy Spirit are, has even interested you. It's just a very, very 
small foretaste of all the good that's before us. It's a, it's a down payment, a deposit, a first taste. Back to our passage, verse 37. They were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. Why are you troubled, he asked them. And why do you doubt, doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. That is, I myself, touch me and see because a ghost doesn't have flesh and bones. And you can see that I have. Having said this, he showed them his hands and feet. I think this is really interesting because Jesus showed up in the middle of their doubts. And that's something else I want you to hear today is that your doubts don't intimidate Jesus because he can send you peace even in the middle of your doubts. And it's interesting that Jesus shows himself to different people in different ways. On Easter Sunday, two weeks ago, I talked about Mary Magdalene, how she didn't recognize Jesus until she heard his voice. Others didn't recognize Jesus, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and we'll even look at this in a few minutes. They didn't recognize Jesus until he shared a meal. And when he broke the bread, then they recognized Jesus. They heard his voice like Mary Magdalene did, but they didn't recognize Jesus then. For them, Jesus used the breaking of the bread. And I see us as a collection of God's treasure. In my Bible reading, this wasn't even, I wasn't going to share this with you, but my Bible reading this week, I was in Daniel and you know, the angel of the Lord said, Daniel, you are treasured by God. And that was just so good for me personally. So I just share that with you. Guys, listen, you're treasured by God. You're the Lord's treasure. And so we have a collection of God's treasure here today. God's jewels, God's, you know, the one, you're the one that God loves. You're the one that God sets his love upon. And because you're his treasure, he speaks to you and reveals the resurrection power of Jesus to you in a very unique way. Mary Magdalene, it was the voice. The, the disciples who were on the road to Emmaus and who had dinner with them, it was the breaking of the bread. For some of you, it was a church service. For some of you, it was a grandmother or grandfather who showed you the way. For some of you, it was a vacation Bible school. For others of you, it was a, uh, some type of show you saw on, on YouTube and, and you, you, you discovered Jesus and it made sense. You know, for me, listen, this is where I found Jesus. I found Jesus in, in just the very difficult teenage years. And, and I was just thinking about this as I was preparing this, this message. Like being a teenager is just hard. Man, it's just, it is just so hard. And, and there's so much confusion in adolescence. And there's a lot of pain at being a teenager. And, and I, I found Jesus as a friend. And I found that Jesus as a friend, I had time periods in my teenage years where I was very lonely, but Jesus was my friend. He, he was someone I could turn to. And then he became someone who, who supported me and gave me purpose. And then Jesus became my definition of life. So when I started choosing, you know, like who I was going to marry and what type of job I was going to have and where I was going to live and what values that I had, Jesus wasn't like this obligation that I had to check off the list. He was like this friend who, who was part of making those decisions, was leaving me and making those decisions. And so he, he came to me in the midst of loneliness, in the midst of the confusion of adolescence. So, I mean, when did he show himself to you? A lot of us came to the Lord during a, a tragic time because he, he was our hope in the middle of something tough we went through. 
He shows up to you in a unique way. Maybe it's through a relationship. Maybe it's through a sermon. Maybe it's through a song. Maybe it's through creation or the arts. But he keeps showing up to you. So you might think, well, hey, Jesus, that was great for them because he was actually physically present. But he's not physically present here, right? So did that all stop when Jesus ascended to heaven? No, I want you to look at Acts chapter 3. Let's, let's read Acts chapter 3 together. And this is another kind of long passage, but it, it's going to teach you the ways of the Lord. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon at the ninth hour. A man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple gate called Beautiful so that he could beg from those entering the temple. Verse 3 of Acts 3. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. And Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I do not have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you. Now look at this phrase, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, not in the name of a church, not in the name of a ministry incorporated, not in the name of a pastor, not in the name of, of someone who has a TV show or who's going to ask for a monthly pledge afterwards. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Verse 7, then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up and at once his feet and ankles became strong. So this is after Jesus is in heaven. And so he jumped up and and started to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Now, as, as we're going to continue to read, but how many know that if Jesus did this for the first century church, he can do it for the 21st century church, right? He can. It's easier not to believe that. So like most Christians are like, yeah, they just all stopped, because if, then I don't have to take a risk. Then I don't have to, I can just explain away the power of God. How many know I don't want to explain away the power of God? I want to walk in the power of God, right? And, and faith does take a risk. Moving on. And they recognized he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. And so they were filled with awe and astonished at what happened to him. So this story is going well, but this is, this is where a lot of us pastors and even collections of churches make a mistake. They begin to bring glory to themselves instead of deflecting glory to God. While he was holding on to Peter and John. So he's looking to Peter and John as his source. Like, man, can you believe that what these guys did for me? I mean, can you believe what Peter and these guys showed up? And when Peter showed up and John showed up, I got healed. And they were, all the people were utterly astonished and they ran towards them in what is called Solomon's colonnade. It's part of the temple. And when Peter saw this, this is where Peter shows us great leadership. He addressed the people, fellow Israelites, why are you amazed at this? Why do you stare at us as though we had made him walk by our own power and godliness? Verse 13, the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob, the God of your ancestors, has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and denied before Pilate, though he had decided to release him. I felt like there was a great verse of verse 14. 
But there wasn't, it just kind of ended like that. So can I read verse 13 again? Cause this is what I'll do for the next service. He has glorified his servant, Jesus, who you handed over and denied to Pilate, though you decide to release him because that's what Jesus does for us. All right. So that's my edit for, for the 1045 service. <laughs> what I wanted you to see from there, and, and it is, do we have verse, verse 13, verse 12 and 13? If we don't, that's okay. He said, why do you stare at us though as though we had made him walk by our own power, our godliness? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has glorified his servant, Jesus. That's, that's what happened. And then verse 13, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob glorified his servant, Jesus. And so it is that, that when we begin to see the power of God operate, we begin to see the power of God move. We have to keep deflecting Glory to Jesus, because man, there's a, there's a certain kind of pride. If God uses Pastor Aubrey to lead worship, or maybe God uses you in your 242 group and, and you have a word for the Lord and that word is timely and it's a scripture that just means a whole lot. And everyone says, thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing that scripture. And you go home and you think, yeah, I felt pretty good. I nailed it, man. I, 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 I landed that scripture just when they needed it. And, it. and everyone thinks I'm spiritual and everyone thinks I'm smart and everyone thinks that I, I have a timely word. And so the next time your 242 meets, you're like, okay, here it is, Lord. I want to be the one to nail it again. I want to land the scripture again. And then now Jesus isn't getting the glory. You're getting the glory. Man, we've all dealt with that. That, that's something that, that Peter is such an example to us of like deflecting, deflecting, deflecting the praise to the Lord. Here's number three. He brings fellowship. He brings fellowship. Let's go now back to verse 41. But while they were still amazed in disbelief because of their joy, he asked them, this is great. I love this about Jesus. Do you have anything here to eat? That's why I know I could hang out with Jesus for a long time. And plus, isn't that pretty cool? Like if someone comes to your house, you know, you're like there and you're hanging out with them and, and they just said, hey, you got anything to eat here? I mean, he's pretty comfortable with them, you know? Uh, he, you know, I, I went and visited Rick and Cindy just real quickly on Friday. And what if I said that? Hey, Cindy, you got something to eat? You put something up. So, I mean, he's very comfortable. And, and I love that kind of relational aspect that Jesus has with us. Verse 42. So they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and he took it and ate it in his presence. Man, that's awesome. You know, the international symbol of friendship is, is sharing a meal. I mean, that's it, man. The international symbol, like we know we don't, we don't have to speak the same language as someone, but man, food speaks something to us because like we're at the table and you know, we're, we're, it's a place of vulnerability historically, you know, because you put your weapons down and, and you're, not, you're not watching your back, you're, you're eating your food and so, so you only eat with those that you're in deep fellowship with. Man, God wants to be our friend. That's part of the resurrection story is God wants to eat with us. He wants to share a piece of fish. Jesus even eats a heart healthy diet. He's an example to us all. He didn't ask for cow, he asked for fish. He shares that. He wants, to, he wants to be our companion. He wants to be our friend. This reminds me of a story. I don't know if I should share it, but I guess I will anyway. Uh, now it's too late. So, so years and years ago when the kids were real little and stuff, we were, we were going to have some people over. 
And I believe in something called refrigerator rights. Like when you're really, really close to someone, like they can just go to your refrigerator and get something, get something out. Well, I, I was responsible for cleaning the refrigerator. I wasn't responsible for much. And I hadn't been doing that great of a job of it. And so Beth just said, Aaron, you, have, you haven't cleaned the refrigerator. If you don't mind, just don't let anyone go to our refrigerator. I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, but that's like refrigerator rights. She's like, no one will ever do that. I mean, no one's going to go to our refrigerator. No one's going to do that. And I, I'd heard that refrigerator rights shows you're, you truly have friends. So we had a house full of people that we loved. And one of our friends said, hey, I'm just going to go to the refrigerator and get something. And I was like, no, <laughs> let me guard it. They gave me a weird look and I gave them a weird look and... Yeah, now I clean the refrigerator out so I don't have to be in that situation again. Earlier, before the passage for today, I want to give you some, some back context. Remember that they were all talking about seeing Jesus and Jesus showed up? Well, those who were talking about that story had been on what we call the road to Emmaus is where Jesus appeared to him. And let's pick up that story in verse 28. We're in Luke 24, verse 28. It says, they came near the village where they were going. And he, Jesus, gave them the impression that he was going further. But they urged him, stay with us because it's almost evening and now the day is almost over. So he went and stayed with them. He went in to stay with them. It, it was as he was reclining at the table, as, it was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened. That's a story I just told you. And they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. And they said to each other, weren't our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? That very hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem and they found the 11 and those with them gathered together. Who said, the Lord has truly been raised and has appeared to Simon. Then then they begin to describe what had happened on the road. Now, here's the point. I read all of the scripture because I want you to see this point. And how he made known to them in the breaking of the bread. And I want you to hear this. You won't really know Jesus until you fellowship with Jesus. A lot of us want just enough of Jesus to avoid hell. Man, that's just like the bottom line of motivation. And it really doesn't get you very far with the life of God. But if you go on this adventure with the Lord and you say, hey, I, I just want to know him and I want to understand his teaching better. And I, I want to integrate Jesus into my life and I want to include Jesus and I want to have fellowship with him. You watch what Jesus does for you. You watch the life of God that comes alive in you. Well, let's prepare I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end the sermon here. And uh, I'll preach the rest another time. Let's pray together. Father, we, we thank you that you want us. I want you to hear that the Father wants us. He doesn't want to destroy us. He wants to give us life. I mean, don't, don't wrongly believe that the Lord is looking to get people into eternal destruction. The Lord is looking to get people into eternal life. I want you to hear that. Man wants to send a bunch of people to hell because it makes man feel better about himself. 
God's mercy is everlasting. His love is for all of humanity. His love is for every person. And the resurrection power took this gospel message from something for a few to something for all. Because the stories we read about today happened on the other side of the globe. And, you know, approximately the year AD 40. So now, these many, many years later, 1600 years later, this land was discovered on the other side of the globe that we now call North America. And all of us got here different ways. Most likely we all got here from different parts of the globe. But now in the year 2021, in a land called Tennessee, the resurrected Lord has chosen to love you, has chosen to extend his grace, has chosen to extend his kindness, and his table is open to you. His table is open to you. Some of you may have been in a situation where you've been at a party. Maybe it was a, like a, a wedding reception and you, you went to the buffet line and you had your food and then you couldn't find somewhere to sit. <laughs> That's that uncomfortable feeling. It's like, where am I going to sit? All the, all, all the seats are taken and I don't know where to go. I guess I'll just stand here against the wall. Some of us feel that way about the kingdom of God. We feel like we're on the outside and we're watching all of the other people feast with the Lord. The Lord says, not so. The Lord says, I have a place at my table just for you. In fact, no one can replace your seat at the table. No one, no one can go there and sit in your place and replace it because it's been, it's been prepared for you by the Lord. And he says, come on, come to me who are worn out with life. Come to me who are weary. Come to me who are burdened. Come, come to me, those of you who can't take another step. Come to me, those of you who the heaviness of life is so so heavy upon you. It's not that you just can't take another step, that you're kind of sinking, you're kind of falling. You're, and you, you feel like progress is going to stop. Like where you are now is where you always will be because the burden of life is so heavy. And the Lord says, not so. Come on, I'm gonna take that burden off of you. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna lead you in a way that is fitting, that is comfortable, that is right that helps you move forward. That's the place that the Lord has for you. If you're able to stand, I want us all just to stand here in the presence of the Lord. And we invite your presence here, Lord. And we invite your presence here, Lord. We thank you for the resurrection power of the Lord. We thank you that we're part of the global kingdom of God, not just for the Jews. We love the Jews, but Lord, you, your resurrection power, you just said that, Lord, this kingdom will be declared around the world. And here we are in Tennessee right now, recipients of the kingdom of God, recipients of the presence of God. We are part of the church. We are adopted into the family. We are saints. I want you to hear that. Men and women in this room, men and women watching this online, you are saints because of what Jesus has done for you. You are in, not out. You are a part. You are not, you're not marginalized. You're not put to the side. You're not kicked out. You're invited in. We have all of Jesus because he paid, paid it all for us. And so we now respond to the greatness of our God and we love him today. 
And we're going to move into a time of ministry. And I just want to invite you to just connect with the Lord, however you want to connect with the Lord. You may want to pray by yourself. You may want to pray with someone you love. You may want to come to maybe these steps, especially to this area to your left. That could be a place where you could pray and you can use these steps as an altar. Also, we've made available these portable communion. Um, They're they're the bread and cup all contained in kind of one unit. And I'm gonna consecrate those to the Lord in a couple of minutes. And you can take those and you can use those to connect to the Lord through the sacrament of the Eucharist. Um, Also, you're invited to come to the front. And what will happen is Pastor Daniel will present you the bread. You can put your hand down. He'll put a, a, a piece of bread in your hand. And then you can come to the middle where Beth and I will be. And I'll offer this cup. If you wanna take communion by intention, you can dip the bread into the cup. Or if you'd rather have just an individual cup, she'll present that to you. No one has to take communion, but all are welcome to take communion if you believe who Jesus is. And so if you choose to do that today, you can just come down this aisle to your right and then return either to the middle or or to the side and return to your seat. and, And that'll just be a better flow. And you can just come when your heart's ready. We don't all have to come at once, but we're not gonna... We're not going to dismiss you row by row today. We're going to try to see if you can figure that out, you know. And so, and so let's see how that goes. Let's pray together. Father, we dedicate these elements to you. Lord, the portable packages, the elements that we have down here, Pastor Daniel, Pastor Beth and I that we have, we dedicate these to you and ask that your presence would be in these elements. Your presence would be here. And God, we give our hearts to you. And we ask that, that today that we would connect with the presence of Jesus, like we would be aware of your presence as we respond to this message today. I'm gonna pray a prayer of confession to the Lord. And you can look on the screen if you want to pray this prayer with me. Let's pray it down. Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, set up your kingdom in our midst. Lord Jesus Christ, son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Holy Spirit, breath of the living God, renew me and all of the world. Let's connect with Jesus now.